morning, Berean Church. We are so glad to have each and every one of you here with us this morning. And if you are a first-time guest or joining us online, we especially welcome you and would love to get to know more about you. For those in the building, if you could, be sure to grab an orange connect card and a seat pocket in front of you, fill it out, and drop it off in the giving box on the way out of the auditorium. Or you and those watching online can simply text the word CONNECT to 77411. And we also want to thank everyone for your faithful giving. As a reminder, you can give by grabbing an offering envelope out of the seat pocket in front of you and dropping it off in the giving box on the way out of the auditorium. Or you can give by texting your dollar amount to the number 84321. You can also give online by going to bereanhub.com giving. Once again, we want to thank all of you for joining us today. And remember, we are a church that extends hope and wholeness to broken humanity. All hope is lost. And it is no longer true that I will live in peace and harmony with my God. It is almost beyond imagining but perfect days of walking with him in paradise are over. And now I am destined for days of separation and longing for my true home. My sin is beyond God's grace to forgive. I have come to realize that it is foolish to believe that God could accept me after all that I had done. How can it be to think that all my prayers went unheard how foolish it was to believe that he loves me. There is nothing left to do but declare that I am lost without hope and future, and I can no longer believe that I will be restored. When sin came into the world, it brought death. But Jesus Christ, the Son of God, died in our place, and it brought life. He rose again, and everything turned upside down. I will be restored, and I can no longer believe that I am lost without hope and future. There is nothing left to do but declare that he loves me. How foolish it was to believe that all my prayers went unheard. How can it be to think that God could accept me after all that I had done? I have come to realize that it is foolish to believe that my sin is beyond God's grace to forgive. Days of separation and longing for my true home are over. And now I am destined for perfect days of walking with him in paradise. It is almost beyond imagining, but I will live in peace and harmony with my God. And it is no longer true that all hope is lost. Amen. How many believe it matters what you declare? It matters what you declare. Well, I do want to say thank you to those that filled in, took over my responsibilities while Carol and I were gone. 
this past week. I heard that Pastor Justin did a great job. And everything seems to be in one piece, so I'm glad for that. We were at Waverly last Sunday. The week before, Pastor Jonathan announced that he is resigning. God's calling him into another area of ministry. And so they asked if we'd come and speak last Sunday since our church started that church. And I appreciate those that prayed. And then we were at uh, a partnership conference in Clearwater for... Um, Trinity Bible College fundraiser really that sets for the budget for the year. And um, people say, it looks like you got a little sun. Well, I got a little wind too. It was, it was cold. I didn't go to Florida to be cold, but it was cold and windy, but God did a great thing. And by the end of the week, that last night when we took pledges, uh, almost a million dollars was raised for the budget for Trinity Bible College. That's a good thing. So thank you for your prayers and, and support of Trinity and for us while we're gone, appreciate, appreciate that. We're in week five of our series on Ezekiel and um, it's interesting how much Ezekiel talks about prophecy. He was a prophet, so he talks about prophecy and I'm convinced that the heart of the gospel rests in the resurrection the video that you just watched is about the resurrection. When God brings resurrection power, he turns what was upside down right side up. He changes everything. In fact, let me share with you from scripture just how important resurrection power is. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians 15, and if Christ has not been raised, our preaching is useless and so is your faith. Did you hear that? If Christ be not raised, our preaching is useless and so is your faith. More than that, we are found to be false witness about God, for we have testified about God that raised Christ from the dead. And if Christ has not been raised, your faith is futile, you're still in your sins, then those also who have fallen asleep with Christ, in Christ are lost. If only in this life we have hope in Christ, we are of all men most miserable. Our faith rests on the resurrection. But that also has present tense application. Romans chapter 8 verse 11 says that if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead is living in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who lives in you. So that resurrection power that makes our faith viable and our hope for eternity is also at work in us while we're alive on planet earth. That spirit of God brings life to our body. 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 3, Praise be to God, the Father, our Lord Jesus Christ, in his great mercy has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Our living hope rests on the resurrection. Everything that we believe rests on the resurrection of Jesus Christ. It's the most important part of the gospel story. So Ezekiel gets to see resurrection power in Ezekiel chapter 37. It's a chapter that you're probably familiar with, probably have heard it sung, some of those spirituals, where the dead bones start coming back together and the toe bone connected to the foot bone. How many remember the, that song? Somebody, I should get you up here and do a little dance with it, have you sing it, so we could follow that all along. So he sees a valley of dry bones in Ezekiel 37. 
the hand of the Lord was upon me. If you want to turn there or open your digital device and follow along. The hand of the Lord was upon me and he brought me out by the spirit of the Lord and set me in the middle of a valley, all right? Watch that. The hand of the Lord was on him. He was brought by the spirit into a valley. It was full of bones. He led me to and fro among them. He's walking among um, bones laying in a valley. I saw a great many bones on the floor of the valley, bones that were very dry. I'll get back to this, but sometimes you need to see how dead something is before you can believe for God to bring resurrection power. He's not looking for a distance, from a distance. Not only are these bones dead, they've been dead for a while. There's nothing left on them. They're bleached in the sun. They've been dead for a while. I was walking last year, two years ago, on a piece of property, and we were planning to hunt, and I saw something white laying in the grass, and it was of the back of a turtle. It was a turtle shell. But it had been there long enough that it was bleached white, and there was nothing left on it, no meat, anything attached to it, just the shell laying there. It was very dead. It was very dry. Ezekiel, I keep wanting to say Elijah, Ezekiel sees this valley of dry bones that are very dry, and then the sovereign Lord asked him a pointed question. He asked me, son of man, can these bones live? What does Ezekiel do at that point? Here's what charismatics would do. Yes, Lord, those bones can live. Yes, I believe it. Come alive, oh, you dry bones. And we'd just be confessing whatever God wants to do. And I get that. I get this spontaneous expression. When we were pastoring an old wine, the church was running, uh, oh, between 75 and 100, and Lowell Lundstrom came to town. How many remember Lowell Lundstrom? It was quite an event. We had an outside crusade with Lowell Lundstrom, and uh, we had put up all the, the platform for them to come. And then the workers came and says, too far back, you got to move it out. And then uh, Lowell and the team show up and the crusade starts that night. And it's a football field and there's a fence. And all around the outside of the fence, people have come with their lawn chairs. They're sitting outside the fence watching. And Lowell looks at them and says, yeah, all of you like it over there sitting outside the fence because you don't have to participate and you don't have to give. People that really want to hear something will get inside the fence. And they all went back in their houses. So afterwards, we're meeting, we have a lunch afterwards, and I'm sitting across from the, the illustrious Lowell Lundstrom, and he said, brother, do you believe that God could build a church of a thousand here in Old Wine? <laughs> and I said, yes, I do. I believe he can. That's different than whether I believe he will. <laughs> believe that he can means that he has the ability, but I also know that it takes a strategy and a lot of work and he started telling me all the things we had to do. We need to have a van and give hot chocolate out of football games. All the things that we needed to do. Bang, 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 idea guy. And he said, I suppose you're wondering how you're going to pay for it. And I said, it did cross my mind. <laughs> I've got the solution. Your solution to your financial problems at this church is to sell Kirby vacuum cleaners. And I thought, God 
is not going to build a church of a thousand here on the back of Kirby vacuum cleaners. Maybe that's why it didn't grow to a thousand because I wouldn't sell Kirby's. But God asked a question to Ezekiel, similar. Beyond his ability, those bones are very dry. They're very dead. Can these bones live? And I love Ezekiel's answer. He doesn't begin to prophesy. Yes, God, if you say it, if you want it to happen, he just simply says, only you know, Lord. (laughs) Have you ever been in a spot where something was so dead in your life that you looked at it, can this be resurrected? Can this be made live, alive again? That your only response was only God knows. Only God knows. Can our marriage survive? Only God knows. Will my children come back to faith? Only God knows. Am I gonna survive my job? Am I gonna get fired? Only God knows. How am I gonna get out of this problem that I found myself in the middle of? I don't see any way out. Only God knows. How many of you have ever been in an only God knows moment? I don't know, God, and I'm not in the mood right now to play the charismatic, emotional, pump yourself up game and start yelling it's all gonna be fine because this is a mess. These bones are bleached dry and dead. And if you're asking me, can these bones live? I'm saying only you know the answer to that because I don't have a solution. Ezekiel stands there and what happens next is incredibly important to the church of God. And I, I just... Um, I just want to tell you, I appreciated being gone last Sunday. It was, we ministered. I felt like God helped us and things we did this week. But I stood at the back. This is a wonderful place. It's a wonderful place. I felt like during worship, I was getting a fresh drink from the well. It's a wonderful place. But while I was standing at the back, I also felt like there was an anticipation, and I don't know why. But I want to declare over you what I believe God put in my heart. If you are standing in a valley of dry bones, you need to start by saying to God, only you know. But we will see by the end that we serve a God of resurrection power that can make dry bones live. If you're in a situation that has no hope, you see no solution, you don't know any way out, I'm telling you that if God declares it to be, it will be, and we need to stand there like Elijah, and uh, like Ezekiel, and cast our hope in God that what he declares will come to pass. What is it? Is your joy gone? Family broken, finances, life in shambles. So what does he tell him to do? He tells him first to prophesy to those dry bones. Now, let me talk to you for a moment about prophecy because it's a fundamental part of the New Testament church. When you read the book of 1 Corinthians 12, 13, and 14, you'll find in 12 and 14, you'll find it in Romans 12, you'll find it in Ephesians 4, you'll find it in the life of the church in the book of Acts that God intends for a prophetic voice 
to be in and among the people of God. He said that we should covet to prophesy. What does that mean? It does not mean that you proclaim what you want to have happen. And when I ask people about prophecy, what is a prophet? Well, someone that's forceful and they're intentional and they're purposeful. They might be, but they might be quiet and they might be still because prophecy isn't about your delivery. It's not about your positive confession. And I said that a couple of weeks ago, but it text brings us right back to that. It's not about you declaring what you want to have happen. It's about you declaring what God has told you to speak. And what we say makes a huge difference in how our lives function. How many know that? I watched, I had to talk to him afterwards. One of our servers at this conference we're at in, in Clearwater, I've never seen anybody quite like this guy. He smiled all of the time. Whatever you want was his delight to be able to provide for you. I've never seen someone serve with that level of joy. And I went up to him and said, I just have to tell you what an inspiration you've been to me. Whatever anyone asks or whatever, you just serve with joy. You make us feel like, a, like, you're import, like we're important. And he said, thank you, but also tell him at the desk, will you? <laughs> There's something about serving with joy and how the words that come out of your mouth. <laughs> well, I'm going to meddle a little bit here since you're just looking at me funny. Carol and I were all ta also talking about somebody that was sitting at a table with us one night who was, this person was just miserable. Looked at their plate of food that, I can't eat this, I can't eat this, I can't eat this. Can you get me something else? They brought another plate. I can't eat all of that. And the whole time was just miserable. And I'm convinced the reason that she, he or she lived in misery was because the words of their mouth always spoke misery. Why did the server have such joy? Because the words of his mouth were always affirming and spoke joy. That what you say, I believe in the power of your words. By your words, you'll be justified. By your words, you'll be condemned. Out of the abundance of your, of your heart, the mouth speaks. But those things are not prophetic. They're, dis, they're discipline. They're lifestyle. There's a whole nother level. When God drops something in your heart and tells you to proclaim it. We need to have that. If you're in a valley of dry bones, you don't need well wishes. You don't need a hope so. You need a word from God. I was reading a commentary about this chapter that said, such a vivid and contrasting word Ezekiel shares in verses three to four. Standing in the midst of bleached death and speaking to the dead bones as if they were alive. And that is not what happened. He's not speaking to the dead bones as though they were alive. He's not proclaiming anything to them other than saying to them what God told them to say. And he was talking to dead bones as though they were dead. Because they were. Prophecy gets so confused. I grew up in an era, and I still read it, 
that says that prophecy means that you call things that are not as though they are. That's bogus. There's only one who can call things that are not as though they are, and that is the sovereign Lord. And if you read the text in Romans chapter four, where that's quoted from, Abraham did not call things that were not as though they were. Abraham put his faith in a God who called things that were not as though they were. And then he proclaimed what God had said. Are you hearing the difference? Prophecy is getting a word from God, hearing his voice, and then proclaiming what he tells you to proclaim. And in the middle of your valley of dry bones, you don't need your promise box. You need a word from heaven. You need a word from heaven. It's not proclaiming your desired outcome. It's prophesying what God has told you to prophesy. So are you ready? What did he prophesy? What should you say to dry bones? Dear dry bones, I'm so sorry that you got like this. I'm sure you've been on a terrible journey and it must have been tragic the way you died that nobody even cared enough to bury your dry bones. And you're laying here to bleach in the sun and I just want to affirm you that I believe there's a better day coming in the morning. Do you know what he said? He said, hear the word of the Lord. What do you proclaim to dry bones? Hear the word of the Lord. This may hurt your feelings, but your opinion doesn't matter. Your desired outcome doesn't matter. What matters is what does the word of God say? Hear the word of the Lord. And you can't go wrong when you're proclaiming what the written word of God says and when you're proclaiming what the revealed word of God has been dropped into your heart. Our job in a world full of dead bones isn't to give our opinion or self-help, but to say this is what The word of God says, this is the word of the Lord. And in a world that's going woke, in a world of changing values, in churches that are changing their course and their code of morality, I think it's time to say in a world of dead bones, I don't care what you believe. I don't care what you have articulated. I don't care what you've thought through. This is the word of the Lord. This is what God has declared. And you need to get ready to hear the word of the Lord. Our challenge to the world around us and dead bones is hear the word of the Lord because the only thing that matters is the word of the Lord. I met a young pastor this week, came from South Africa to the United States. Long story there. And the church that he's pastoring has a doctrinal statement that they believe in man and woman under God being biblical marriage, clearly stated. But the church has drifted and gone woke. And they are endorsing and affirming of gay marriage and gay activity. I said, what'd you do? I just said to them, I don't care what you're doing. This is what the word of the Lord says. Come on, shout now somebody. That's what the world needs here. What happened? They lost half the congregation. 
but I'd rather lose half and say, here's what the word of the Lord says than to compromise it and try to coddle and cuddle and make everybody happy because dead bones won't live by your comfort. They're dead. They need resurrection power. And we need to begin to declare in your job, in your family, in your circumstance, in the chaos around you, hear the word of the Lord. Hear the word of the Lord. Let's begin to prophesy and proclaim the word of the Lord. This is what God has said. For the life of me, I don't understand people that come to me and want me to affirm something that's contrary to the word. I didn't write it, so I can't change it. Is anybody hearing me this morning? That we would proclaim the word of the Lord. What does the word of God say? Now, he did say to them, this is what's going to happen. Here are the things that are going to take place. Your bones are going to come together. This is um, all the things. Yes, he did begin to tell them what was going to happen, but it was based on what the word of the Lord said. I would encourage you, church, that in this generation, in the midst of a valley of dry bones, prophesy to those dry bones. Think of it this way. If a bone, <laughs> this is too simple. If a bone is dead, that means it doesn't have life. Holla, isn't that amazing? So if a bone that is dead doesn't have life, what does it need? That dead bone needs life. And that comes from the word of God. So hear me, in the middle of your situation, don't proclaim how bad it is. Don't proclaim that there'll never be a solution. Just speak the word of God over your situation. Proclaim what God has said. Proclaim what is true. Then second, prophesy to the dry bones. Second, prophesy to the wind. King James uses the word wind as does some other translations. <clears throat> then he said to me, prophesy to the wind, prophesy son of man and say to it, this is what the sovereign Lord says. Come from the four winds, O breath, and breathe into these slain that they might live. He prophesied to the breath. Now watch, the tone has changed. It's declarative in the first section, hear the word of the Lord and then come, Holy Spirit, I need you. Breath and wind represents life and the moving of God and he's not prophesying to the Holy Spirit, doesn't say this is what the sovereign Lord says, wind, get here and do your job, breath, get here, but to appeal. I'm telling you that there will be no life in the valley of dry bones until we begin to prophesy to the Spirit of God, we need you. We're speaking the word of God to the Spirit of God in our midst. Now, that may sound backwards to you, but we sing it all the time. 
calling on the God of Jacob, calling on the God of Mary, calling on the Holy Spirit to the, fill the house. Holy Spirit, you are welcome here. All the songs that we sing are inviting his presence and what the church needs is more than just our self-help plans, but the presence of almighty God that stirs and moves and we need to recognize that the desperation of this hour can only be satisfied by the moving of the Spirit of God. We desperately need the Spirit of God, not commanding, but speaking through the Spirit and by the Spirit. What are you doing then? You're identifying with what God's Spirit desires to do. We can't do this on our own. We can't do this on our own strength, but we try pretty hard. We need supernatural intervention. Prophesy to the dry bones. Hear the word of the Lord. Prophesy to the wind. Spirit, come. We can't do anything. (laughs) Now, think about the Lord's prayer with me for a minute. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed, holy is your name. How are we told to pray after that? Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. I want to suggest to you this morning that there is a unique linking together between what we do and what God does. And I'm not enforcing the will of God, but God has allowed us to work together with him. And that when we call on him, We are to pray and live our lives in a sense enforcing the will of God, that we are praying the will of God. We're praying the will of God and the spirit of God over things that have not been submissive to what God has revealed in his word. We need the Holy Spirit to change hearts and lives. So I prophesied as he commanded. Let me back up. Ezekiel 22 could have been a sermon by itself. I looked for a man among them who would build up the wall and stand with me in the, before me in the gap on behalf of the land so I wouldn't have to destroy it, but I found none. There's a unique linking together between what we do and what God does. They shall lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. Now, lest you misunderstand, I know you know this, but there is no healing power in these hands. But when I lay hands on the sick, what am I doing? I'm prophesying to dead bones to hear the word of the Lord. And I'm calling on the Holy Spirit to come and do the Father's will. And when I lay hands in obedience, I can believe for the spirit of God to come and accomplish what God has declared will happen. It's laboring together. It's working together. I hear people talk about, oh, was that person, they have such great faith. Let me tell you, it's not about your faith or your abilities. It's about a God of great power that we put our confidence and trust in. So after he prophesied, Do you know what happened? The bones started coming together. There was a noise, a rattling. The bones came together. Sinew and skin appeared. And they stood up a great army. 
but they were still dead. Have you ever? (laughs) Have you ever been in a situation where you saw God start to move and you think this is it. This is the miracle that's going to happen. And then it seems like it stalls. It doesn't finish. Sure, they're standing up, but I'm telling you, a body with skin, muscle, sinew, covering bones that's dead is no better than a valley full of dry bones. And it looks like it's just stopped. What's going to happen? It looks like it could be. We're almost there. I'm absolutely convinced that some people give up on the brink of their miracle. It stalls and they quit. It stalls and they don't press on. They don't keep believing. I've, I've used this illustration a number of times. I was, uh, we were required to take swimming class in high school and the class I took required that you earn points and one of the ways to earn points was to stand on one side of the pool and jump off, dive off and try to float across to the other side of the pool and if you could do that without moving your hands or feet all the way across and touch the other side, it was like a billion points. It was like a really big deal. I stood and watched how many people and you couldn't lift your head and get more air. You had to do it in one shot. We're this far away when they gave up and gasped for air. And all of their effort was for nothing because they gave up too soon. Some of you have given up the night before the resurrection. Some of you have given up the night before your miracle comes but it's not what I asked for. It's not what I wanted. Are you kidding me? Those were dead bones. They stood up with muscle and skin and sinew all on them. When you see God begin to move and it slows down, don't give up the night before the resurrection. Don't give up the night before the sun shines. Trust that God is doing something. You've prophesied to the bones. You've prophesied to the wind. And keep believing that what he has begun, he will perform it. He will accomplish it. He will bring it to pass. Don't give up on the fullness of God until the fullness of God is completed. Watch for things start to move. Then last. The story changes, the analogy changes, and God has the right to do that. You have the dead bones, and now they're covered with flesh. And then beginning in verse 13, he tells Ezekiel to tell the nation to wait, (laughs) to wait for the graves to open to wait for the graves to open. Dead bones standing is no different than dead bones lying. They're still dead. And Elijah, I'm sorry, Ezekiel, I've got to fix that. Ezekiel is, I just like Elijah, I know him better. Ezekiel has got to deal with what's happening, what's going on around him. 
Then, verse 13 and 14, then you, my people, will know that I am the Lord. When I open your graves and bring you up from them, I will put my spirit in you and you will live. I will settle you in your own land. Then you will know that I, the Lord, have spoken. I have done it, declares the Lord. I will open your graves. In other words, I will open the door of death and I will restore you with life. Can that happen? Absolutely. In every circumstance that you face. I believe that resurrection power is available today. Do you know what happened? We kind of skip over this. But what happened when Jesus rose from the dead and the veil was rent in the temple? Do you know what happened in Jerusalem? When, the, when resurrection power was released, the graves opened. People came up out of the grave and were walking in testimony of that, that resurrection power is here today. His resurrection declares that resurrection power is available for us. It's not enough. Sometimes I think that people would be happy if their stress just stopped rather than the miracle God wants to perform. I will put my spirit in you and you will live. So what I'm saying to you is there comes a point third that you have to recognize that you can't do anything. You have to wait for God to do it. I've been in those worship services, haven't you? Lift your hands, shout, dance, run, sing loud all the time trying to get you to respond. But then there are those moments when God moves in the room and the graves open. And God moves in such a way that we just begin to respond supernaturally. Now, you got to be watching for that and ready for that. But wait for the graves to open. There is something powerful about learning how to wait on the Lord. The Bible tells us in Psalm 27, verse 13, I am still confident of this. I will see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Wait for the Lord, be strong and take heart and wait for the Lord. At the beginning of the psalm, David said, I would have fainted unless I believed to see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. I believe that. There's something powerful about knowing that you've done your part and knowing that God will do his part and that you're waiting for the manifestation of what God has declared. You have confidence because you've heard from him, but there are times of waiting while God does the work that he's going to do. It's something that we've lost in this generation. We want instant access. We've got toaster waffles and instant oatmeal. Everything's right now. There is something about, isn't there? Would you rather have a Swanson fried chicken dinner or grandma in the kitchen making fried chicken on the stove. There's something that happens when you wait for good things. Come on. 
when you learn to wait. Something happens, and we're called to learn to wait on the Lord, to just trust him and stay in his presence. It tells us in Isaiah chapter 40, verse 31, we all know this, but those who wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. The whole idea being that that we need to be in a place that we're waiting on God, waiting on his presence, waiting on his touch, waiting for his help that builds and strengthens us. Psalm 130, verse 5, I wait for the Lord, my soul waits, and in his word I put my hope. Can these dead bones live again? Yes. What evidence do you have of that? Israel, Holy Land, 1948. He called his people back from the dead and planted them in the Holy Land. That's resurrection power. Make no mistake about it. The war in the Middle East and all that's happening in there is as much to do with the glory and plan of God and the devil opposing it as anything else that is happening. And we can argue about methodologies and strategies, but I'm telling you that Jerusalem is the the place where God put his name. It's the place where he said he would call his people back. It's the place that Ezekiel saw and is prophesying toward. And it ought to be an encouragement to us that the same God who could bring Israel from the four corners of the earth and plant them back in the Holy Land in 1948 is the same God that can bring the broken pieces of your life back together and build something new and fresh in you because he's the God of resurrection power. He's the God of new life. He's the God of restoration. He's the God that turns things that are upside down, right side up. Resurrection power is foundational to our faith. So Pastor Nathan, if you join me, this is what I want to do this morning. I know we don't do this a lot and probably should do it more, but I feel like it pressed on my heart. I want everyone to stand just to make it easier. I feel the spirit of God in the room. And I just want to say, I want to ask if you're, I don't need to know what it is. No one needs to know what it is. But if you're in a valley of dry bones, the joy of the Lord is gone from your life. You're in a valley of dry bones. Your relationship in the home is dying. You're in a valley of dry bones. You don't know if you can survive where you're at in your work um, responsibilities. Stress and pressure. But you'd say, Pastor, I'm in a valley of dry bones. I'm telling you the spirit of God's in the house. And listen to me. Yes, He can raise those bones up. He can put flesh back on them and he can breathe life into them. But you have to prophesy to the bones. You have to prophesy to the wind and then you need to wait for the grave to open. If you're in a valley of dry bones, we wanna gather around you and believe for God to liberate you. Would you just step out where you are? Join me here at the front. We're gonna pray for you. You're in a valley of dry bones. You need to come right now. We're not gonna bow our heads and close our eyes and pretend that we don't know what's going on. You're from the balcony. Come on ahead. You're in a valley of dry bones. I believe that God wants to breathe life into your valley. 
This is your chance. This is your opportunity. If you don't respond, you're missing an opportunity when the Spirit of God is moving in the house. Anyone else? You're in a valley of dry bones. I feel God dealing with with hearts right now. You need to step out. You don't have to stay where you are. You've looked at those bleached dry bones long enough, and God is a God of resurrection power. He can turn what is upside down, right side up. I'm going to wait just a minute longer for those that need to respond. You're in a valley of dry bones. I had an anticipation at the back that God's going to do something around the front um, this morning. There are others still coming. I'm going to wait. I'm going to wait till you get here so we can believe God with you. God's going to bring life into your valley of dry bones. I just wanted to be clear who we're praying for. Now, if you believe, I need those of you that have come forward to come a little closer to me, come a little closer to the front so people can gather behind you. If you believe (laughs) that the prophetic word of God this morning is, these dry bones can live again. I want you to come right now in a hurry. I want you to run down here, lay your hands on them, begin to pray, and let's just ask God. I want us to, we've prophesied to the dry bones. Let's prophesy to the wind. Spirit of God, come. Holy Spirit, come. We need you. Holy Spirit, come. We need you. Just begin to ask God for a fresh revelation, a fresh word from heaven, just in your own way. Lift your hands, lift your heart. Ask God to give you what you need in your valley of dry bones. He has a word for you, a fresh revelation. He has a prophetic declaration for you. Come on, church, just call out on him. Lift your voice and call out on him. Call out on him. He's in the house. He's here in the house. Jesus, we need you this morning. We need you this morning. Just call on him. Ask him right now. Just ask him in your valley of dry bones for his intervention. Can't go back to the beginning. Call on him, church. Come on, everybody that's standing out there, stretch your hands this direction and pray. Pray for them that God's spirit, come Holy Spirit, we need you. Come in the house. We need you this morning. But I know here in the middle is the place where you promise to be.
simple paradigm. What do you do when you're in the valley? First, you prophesy to the dead bones. This is what the word says. Yes, amen. This isn't what my circumstance is right now, but this is what the word says. Listen, dead bones, hear the word of the Lord, because that's what I'm believing. That's what I'm standing on. Hear the word of the Lord. And once you've prophesied over the dry bones, then prophesy to the wind. Breath of life, Spirit of God, come by, move in this place. Spirit of God, do what only you can do and then sit back and wait till God opens the grave. Hallelujah. 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 I'm declaring over every one of you that's come forward this morning, God desires to make your dry bones live again. I really believe that. But you have to stand the ground and you have to proclaim the truth and you have to trust him and wait until it comes to pass with your faith and trust in him. Lord Jesus, we're thankful for your presence in, the, in this house this morning. We're thankful, Lord, that you are the God who makes dry bones live. And for everyone in this place in a valley of dry bones, God, I pray that winds of refreshing would blow across their heart and soul, that you'll give a new confidence and a new reassurance, that you turn things that are upside down, right side up, and that you will bring them into a valley filled with living, living bones, life from God and a place of rejoicing. And for that, we'll give you thanks and praise in the matchless name of Jesus Christ. And everybody said, amen, amen. amen. Give the Lord praise this morning. He's worthy of praise. Amen, amen, amen. God bless you. Bless somebody this morning. Encourage them before you go. We serve a living God.